You go to college, you need to. Basically, to get them bits of paper to say, yes, you can do the electrical installation. And you can learn a lot at college to be able to work as an electrician. But they don't teach you anything about when you go out on your own and running a business. There's nothing at college that teaches you, well, not when I went anyway, about quotes, invoices, VAT, your self-assessment, what insurances you might need for being self-employed as an electrician. And the list goes on. There's so many things that you need to know to be able to run your own business. And I think this is what scares a lot of people or a lot of electricians to go out on their own to be able to have their own business. They're not really sure what's entailed and what they need to do or what they're going to expect if they go out on their own. And if this is you, then sit tight. You're about to find out right here. Toolbox Talks for Electricians, helping electricians reduce stress, gain back time and earn more money. Hello and welcome back to Toolbox Talks for Electricians. My name is Ben Poulter, your host of Toolbox Talks for Electricians. And after having been in the trade as an electrician for around 20 years, I can honestly say, yeah, it does come with its highs. And yeah, of course, its lows. I could be like a lot of other people and sit here and say, yeah, being your own boss is the best thing ever, ever. It's the best thing I ever done. You can basically have days off when you want. You can charge as much money when you want. And basically it's easy to run your own business. But how many of us know that's not entirely correct? It is hard and it is pretty tough sometimes, especially when starting out. But there's so many people that go ahead and do it. They do start their own business and become successful and have a better lifestyle in effect from what they were doing before when they were working for somebody else. So why do so many people go ahead and start up on their own? I mean, there's got to be some good points, right? That's what you're probably thinking. There is. There is a million good points. But I suppose just like there is a lot of good points to being employed. And there is, there is plenty of good highs to being self-employed. But I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's all fantastic because that's not going to be true. I'm going to try and tell you the basically the honest opinion of what it is being like being self-employed along with the highs, along with the lows, because obviously there is highs and lows to being employed as an electrician too. And one of the things I notice as being self-employed, you've got to be sort of self-motivated. You can't just get up one day. You know the days when you get up and you think, today I just cannot be bothered. When you're employed, you can sort of just turn up, plod along, do your day's work. You don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. You can be a moody git. But if you do that as your own business, as as in a customer's house possibly, or even on site, then yeah, it does reflect in your business. Basically, your business is you. It's not just the work that you do. You can turn up, anyone can turn up and possibly wire a light and do the work, but it's the customer relations that you have with your customers, with the maybe the main contract and how happy you keep them. That sort of counts a lot more. Some people say it's what you know, not who you know. Well, I beg to differ. I think a lot of the time it's who you know, not necessarily what you know. Because a lot of the contracts that I've got, industrial and commercial, it's been through like friends, friends that I've got on with. And they said, hey, I'll get you in here to do the, all the electric work. And it has worked out to be quite a, a good relationship in the long run. 
Whereas if you're employed in a business, then you can just turn up, maybe not really give a monkey's because you haven't got as much incentive to be able to perform better when it's not your own business. You, you don't care as much. Maybe you do sometimes. Some people might say, yes, I love my boss. I love my job. But let's be honest. Sometimes if you quit that job or you get injured, maybe you're going to be let go quite quick and you'll be replaced by your boss quite easily, I would have thought. And when you're employed as well, you can wake up sometimes and think, yeah, today I'm just going to pull a sickie. Maybe you went out last night or, ah, I don't know, all the family's off school and you think, well, we could go out for the day. Yes, you can pull a sickie and you still get paid. It's possibly a bit of a simpler life, maybe. It's a bit of an easier life being employed because you think if you're employed, you know exactly what wages you're getting maybe at the end of the week or the end of the month. But that's consistent all the time as well. You can plan a little bit better. You can say, right, I've got a £1,000 here. My bills are sort of £500, so I've got £500 spare each week or each month, however however you work it out, because being an electrician, you probably got to be good at finances as well because you want to know how much you've got to spend on tools. And on the flip side, if you're self-employed, you're not entirely, the cash flow is a little bit different. You don't necessarily get paid every month. Sometimes you might get a lump sum and you'll get all excited thinking, yeah, I'm rich, I've got loads of money. But then you've got to go and pay your wholesalers and stuff and it does dwindle down. But it turns out better. You've got to weigh it up to make sure that it balances out better than being self-employed. Than being employed, sorry. I'm getting confused. And I think when you're employed as well, you don't necessarily have to barter for your money, possibly. There's some customers maybe that say, right, you've got the invoice. Yeah, I just need this doing. I need some finishing touches. Well, yes, that was extra. So we need to negotiate on what's happening there. But let's settle up this invoice first. You need to sort of prepare yourself for that. Like when you get you get excited sometimes when you finish your job, you think, right, I've got bills coming in. I can pay that. Sometimes that customer doesn't pay on time. They will wait. They'll wait and make sure that everything's spot on. They'll test everything to make sure that they're all happy with that. So you've got to give it a little bit or maybe a week or two to say, right, yes, okay, look, it's been a week now. You've got to be happy with the work I've done. Let's sell this invoice up, mate. And one of the things that I struggled to get my head around when I first started out is when you go out, yep, you earn five grand for that week. You get five, maybe five grand cash you get put in your pocket. Obviously, you take off 20% for tax and stuff like that. But you got money in your pocket and you think, yep, this is all mine. What am I going to do for myself? It was like, check out on eBay, see what bikes are available. I'm going to get a new bike or something like that. Or just treat yourself to something. Go out shopping, go on a little holiday. Not all that cash is yours. You've got to sort of budget for it as well. You've got to think like your insurances, the the fuel you maybe put in the van. Maybe you, you might want to put a bit of money aside in case you need new tyres on the van or it breaks down just to something on the back burner. Because the worst thing is getting a big maybe VAT bill or doing your self-assessment and then getting a big bill at the end. That is a bit of a bummer. Sort of when you get an assessment and they say, right, you're owed 12 grand. Like, Damn, all that money in that that I spent on the holidays and the toys and stuff I bought. I've got to sell it now to pay that freaking tax bill. I would say that being self-employed, you've got to be sort of, yes, definitely on the ball with your money and your finances, where things are going, how much things are going out, how much you're charging in effect as well, because you can go around, you can charge for a job thinking, yep, my labour for that will be spot on. I'll give them 35 to 40 pound an hour. Well, hang about, what about you got to cover the cost you get in there? What about you got to cover your registration to be Part P registered? What about the materials that you've got to pay for as well? Sometimes you don't take that into consideration 
when you first start out, you get sort of bamboozled with it. So maybe taking a step back, taking things a little bit slower and being organized will be very beneficial to you in the long run. Because the best way to work out if going self-employed has been a good move, you can't do it week by week. You can't do it month by month because you're always working out, right, I used to earn like 1,200 quid when I was employed. So if I work out 1,200 quid, yep, that's, does it calculate up to I've earned more this year? You're never really going to know until the end of your tax year, until you've balanced your sort of finances at the end to see how much you've earned or how much you've actually drawn in for your business yourself. And then, of course, if you're like me, you're going to weigh it up. Say you can go get a job self-employed for sort of 50 grand a year. You're going to say, right, I want to earn at least 75. Because if I'm going self-employed, doing all this paperwork, I want it to be worth it. So you've got to work it out. Maybe the first year, what if you only earn 35? Then think about it. Think, right, hang about. I've got to put my prices up. I've got to try and save money here, do money here. Do things a little bit differently. Because if you carry on earning 35 grand a year self-employed, you might as well go be employed by somebody else. When I was apprentice, I was employed and I was on good money. I think when I got qualified, I was earning around 50 grand a year and they gave me a van. They took care of the maintenance. They took care of the insurance. If anything was wrong, then they just sorted it out. I had to do nothing. But it is swings and roundabouts for that money that they paid me. I had to go wherever they said. If there was a job in Scotland that I'd had to leave at two o'clock in the afternoon to go up there to do it the next day or even do it the same day, work a night shift, that was me. That was what I had to do. That's what I did. I was given that money to be appreciated in that company because I was a person that they could call up and say, Ben, go here, head off there now, get there, get this job done, maybe a call out or anything like that. I was that person. That's why they gave me that money. And I was in no position because they did pay me good money. I don't think I was in a position to say, nah, I'm not going today. I can't be asked. But if I ever did turn around and say, look, I've had enough of working away and doing these call outs. And this week, basically, I want to be at home. Then you would. You'd get the rubbish jobs. You'd do the council rewires or you'd be in the stores making stuff up. And when you're at local you've got to put in a full day. You've got to do your, your eight hours or maybe your, your 10 hours sometimes if you get a little bit of overtime. The great thing about working away is I was paid from the time that I got in the van from my house and drove to wherever and paid for the time that I got back. So if I did six hours on site, but I was in the van for another four hours, then I would get paid 10 hours. Or sometimes you get stuck in traffic. That was a bonus because you'd be getting paid paid a decent hourly rate as an electrician to sit in the van and do nothing. It was good at the time. But the reason I got paid that money is because the boss had phoned me up. So, right, Ben, you've got to do this. And I just did it. I was, I wouldn't say I was a lapdog in effect, but I was quite efficient for that company. So they agreed to pay me a decent wage. But as you get a little bit older and maybe you stop going out partying so much, you basically your whole life is sitting in hotels and having a few beers at night. Not really having much of a life. It is basically your your life is your work. You're thinking like I'm going to travel to Scotland or Cardiff. That's that's my week. That's my life. That's where I'm going to live. You don't do anything else in the evenings. You don't really have a girlfriend much that you see or you don't really have much of a life when you're working away all the time. And as the same as a lot of electricians, you sort of sink your money down to think, yeah, scrap this. I I don't want to do this anymore. 
But there was an option to basically take a pay cut and go house bashing for a different company that didn't work all over the UK or even over the world. And that didn't seem too appealing for an option either. I didn't want to take a pay cut. I liked the pay I was getting. I wanted the amount of money. And this is what you can do as a self-employed electrician. So basically, my next best bet was to go self-employed. And when starting out on your own, I think a lot of us all the same. We don't think about building a business or building a reputation as an electrician. You sort of just think, right, I need to get some work to earn some money because that's all that you did in a company when you were employed. You just went out and worked and you weren't money. You didn't think about the building the business side of it, the building the reputation. Because all that's in your head is that you need to prove that it was a good move. It was a good move to go self-employed. I want earn a lot more money. So basically, your main incentive to start with is get out there and start earning money. Because there's another thing as well that you maybe got to prove a little bit to yourself. It's sort of male testosterone in a way sort of thing. You've got to prove to yourself that you can do it. Yeah, I can run my own business. I can be my own boss. It's one of them things that... I don't know, I I just needed to prove it to myself that I could do it in a way. And because a lot of people, they can't, they can't manage money. I know so many people that have been self-employed on their own because they've been offered a contract maybe and thought, right, let's go self-employed. You can be your own boss, you can run your own business, you can have this contract, this will be a good stepping stone for you getting more work. And then they've done that contract as self-employed and sort of just folded because they've got the money pocket in. Think, think, think about, hang about, VAT and tax and stuff like that. They've just scrapped the company off because they thought, yeah, the money finance side of it, for the money management, it's a bit tough. It's a sad truth that some people are just basically built to be told what to do. People like being told what to do. Some people, they like, it's not a bad thing, I don't think, I suppose, that people like to turn up in the morning, get told what to do, where to go, and don't have to worry about it. They get paid whatever, which is fine, and they get a set wage. This is what I mean. I don't think that being employed is that bad. It's just a lot more laid back. And if you've got other interests in your life, maybe you do golf or you've got other interests, maybe you coach your football team so you haven't got a lot of spare time to sit at home and do invoices, then, yeah, being employed is probably a lot more appealing. But a little warning to say, when you do go self-employed and you do sort of find your feet and you find quite a bit of success, you build a bit bit of a business, you have quite a good customer base. It's a bit like an addiction. You will no longer be employable because you'll go to work for somebody. Maybe if you think, hang about, it's quite down, I'm going to go subbing for this company for a bit. You'll be quite opinionated. I've done it myself before. I, I said about it in a podcast before. I worked for this company and we were doing new builds and they were doing it wrong. It wasn't a regulation. It wasn't right, basically. And you have to put your 10 pence in sort of thing. You have to tell them. I ended up walking off site. I couldn't do it in the end. I would say being self-employed as well, you've got to enjoy doing a little bit of paperwork. You've got to enjoy dealing with customers and, unfortunately, bite your teeth a little bit here, other trades. Other tradesmen, you've got to be able to talk to them. You've got to be able to get on with them because the last thing you want to do is piss them off in a way because then they're only going to bloody chop your wires or make your life a little bit worse because sometimes yes you do get builders that will go and say right we're going to board this kitchen well hang about mate the wiring's not been done you need to think about it in stages you've got to work together with other trades to get jobs done maybe if a builder's got you along to say right Ben yep you're the electrician on this job you're getting paid to do this job I might call you up and say right we forgot one socket well You've got to go around there and put that socket in. And it might be freaking two hours out of your day. 
but you have to let them know that you can charge extra and stuff. There's little things like that that sort of annoy you sometimes. But if you get your customer relations sorted, enjoy doing a bit of paperwork and get on with other trades, I think that's halfway there. Because the paperwork is to make sure that you get paid. The customers will be the ones that pay you and then also recommend you to family and friends to help build your business. And then getting along with other trades, it will just make your life easier. And plus, if you get along with other trades, they'll also recommend you to their family and friends and their customers. So it's like a a three-in-one bonus. And after 20 years of being sort of self-employed, I look look back now, I've never really sat and thought about it, but I look back now and think, yeah, it weren't that easy. There was a few mistakes that I had to make to be able to come out on top. And there has been a few occasions where I just think, should I just go and get a job and work for someone else? Should I just go and sort of do what I'm told and go backtracking away, move back in life and say, go get a job and being self-employed. And maybe if you want, you can get good money by lodging away still. I think I'll probably do that. You get plenty of contacts as an electrician, especially when you subcontract. You know basically everyone in your town because you've subcontracted for them. I think I've subcontracted for a, mostly every company in the little town that I live in is when you're subcontracting, you obviously say, right, I'm going to get £25 an hour, I'll give you 26 so you move to 26 And then someone else might go, hang about, come back here, we'll give you 27 So yeah, you, you move around a lot when you're subcontracting and that's what I do, so I got to know everyone. So I'm quite confident that I could probably call up someone and get a job tomorrow as employed. But this just happens on a few down days when you think, oh man, i got so much going on, someone hasn't paid me or some materials haven't turned up, this job needs to be finished. When things go a little bit smoother and then you go get at the end of the week, you get paid like 10 grand, you're like, well, sweet, actually, that idea is completely faded away, I'm going to carry on being self-employed. And one of the things that I do now as self-employed, I don't work a five-day week. I work a four-day week. I give myself a day to do that paperwork, to do them quotes, to catch up. So I'm not sitting there in the evenings doing quotes and invoices. I don't enjoy that. I've got better things to do in the evenings. I want to watch Married at First Sight. And the quicker and better, and sometimes you've got big jobs, so you haven't got a lot of paperwork to do, still give yourself that day off because you can always wash the van. How nice is it when you empty the van out and put it all back in, organised? Everyone likes to do that every now and again because when it's organised, you can find that them certain M5 screws or them little brass ones for the conduit lids. You know where everything is. You know, you know where everything is sort of sits. Everything has its place. I always go to customers' houses, and when they're in a little bit of a rush, they say, oh, give your hand with your kit. Go on then, pick that bag up. It's flipping heavy. It's got basically all my drills in it. They ain't going to pick it up. So they bring out their little bits and bobs and start putting them in the van. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just put them by the van because everything has its own little place. So I'd rather put it in there myself because I know where every little thing's going. Like the rods clip up here and the cables go here. Don't just dump it in there because that's where it gets into a mess. And when you're sitting at home doing your invoices for that day, it is it is always exciting when you calculate it up. Right, right, right. Yep, I'm going to invoice this out because you're doing that's all you're doing all day. Invoices, maybe in quotes, and you're invoicing it out. And yeah, you do get a little bit excited, thinking, "Yes, I have all week. I've been working my nuts off, and I've done pretty well." But when you're self-employed as well, and say you program a day off, like I do my paperwork on a Friday. Don't go work on a Friday. Do it all on a Friday. Sometimes things happen, a job runs over, you got to crack on to get that job done. You don't necessarily have to stick to Friday because you're self-employed, you're the boss, you can say, right, scrap it, I'll get in and get this job done because then Monday I'm going to sit at home and invoice for it. 
you can just do that. There's no having to confirm with the boss or there's no having to put a bit of paper in to request a holiday form. You're the boss. You can do what you want. And one of the fantastic things that I love about being self-employed, if you turn up sometimes, maybe the plaster has not been done in a job and the job basically gets cancelled that day, you've got to reschedule it. Well, you think about if you're employed and you phone at your boss and say, yeah, this job's cancelled or it's not ready for me at the moment. He's going to go, right, okay, swing round and go 50 miles the other way to another job. Don't happen when you're self-employed. You can just go home. If you've got plenty of jobs on the go, yeah, it might be a fantastic idea to go and help them, give them a push along. Maybe you'll do another job somewhere else. Or you might have a, probably a list of jobs that you can call up and say, look, I've got a spare afternoon or a spare day now. Can I jump on and do that? It's quite efficient sometimes. You can do what you want, especially if it's a rainy day as well. Sometimes when there's a garden job, and yeah, I don't want to sit around in the garden and get wet one day when it's chucking down a rain so I can say, right, can we postpone that to do it another day when it might be sunny so I can go back and finish off this kitchen for somebody else that's been desperate for me to get in there? Little things like that, I think, are beneficial with self-employed. Because if you're employed, basically, you're told to go and do it. Right, get that garden job done. Yeah, you've got to go there and get the garden job done. You've got to get your wellies on and get basically covered in mud all day, soaking wet. I've done it before. I've done it on a lifter in a in a factory where it's windy. I hate them cherry pickers when you're sitting up there. You're woggling and boggling around. I hate them things sometimes. But I haven't been on a, a scissor lift or a cherry picker for a long time. But when I was employed, I got to see an invoice, or invoice once to a customer. And that customer, I was checking it out. And it said £60 an hour. I thought, bleeding, that's all right, £60 an hour. I was getting paid around £16 an hour at that point. And that's what made me think, hang about, I could do this on my own. And £16 an hour, yeah, doesn't seem a lot, but it was back in the early 90s when I'd just become qualified. So, yeah, £16 an hour was probably just above JIB rates. And my plan was to think, right, I could do it. I could start out on my own. I'll just, I'll just beat everyone else and charge them £59 an hour. I'll be earning a fortune. And I think a lot of self-employed people think this. Of the company they work for, they might think, hang about it, you charge me out £60 an hour. I can do this. You can do a better job for a customer and you can maybe do it a little bit cheaper. But after being self-employed and running your own business for a little while, £60 an hour is probably not that much. It's just an average rate sort of thing after you pay out insurances, your tax and your van and the maintenance. There's a lot more detailed to running your own business than, I don't know, you first anticipated. But when you're self-employed and running your own business as well, it is difficult sometimes to sort of, to shut off because you've always got things in the back of your mind, right, that wiring is doing in that kitchen, that kitchen needs second fixing. And you've got a thousand things running through your mind all the time. And these thousand things are running through your mind all the time. But then also your business is still running. So you're getting phone calls here and you've got to think, right, okay, and get things organized. There might be a kitchen fitter phoned up because the customer's gave me your number asking about the cables behind the cupboards. Can you get to them? I've got a plan. I've second fixed it. Just chill out, fit your kitchen. I can sort it out from there. But you've got to tell them that as well in a polite way, in effect. And there'll also be customers phoning up saying, hey, Ben, but you maybe haven't spoken to them for a little while. So they want a little chinwag as well. So, right, yeah, I know you need a job doing, but I'm flipping top of a ladder with a screw hanging out of my mouth and it's just a bit awkward at the time. 
with also wholesalers phoning you up. Sometimes I don't like answering the wholesalers because it's only some stupid deal they're trying to do, but sometimes it's a deal too good to be true. And if you can buy 10 rolls of 2.5 cable for sort of £10 cheaper, then yeah, that's going to save you a bit of money in the long run. But the best advice I can give you here, leave your phone in the van, put it on silent, put it in your pocket, don't answer it. This is why I got the watch as well now, so I can see who's ringing it, and if it's important, I'll get my phone out. Because you need to concentrate on the task in hand. Because if your phone rings all the time, you're stopping, you're going down, you're getting your diary, you're trying to book things in, you're chatting away. It takes the job that you're trying to do twice as long. I've done it before when I've answered calls all day. And I think, flipping hell, I should have only been here half a day. But I'm there all day trying to sort things out because the phone keeps ringing. If I just cracked on, got that job done, then I could have phoned them back later on and got all them calls sorted within an hour. And when you're doing a job, maybe when you're second fixing a kitchen or second fixing some downlights even. I only say this because this is something that I did. When you're second fixing all your downlights, you might get a phone call. You go back and you look at them all. You think, right, they're all done. Ready to turn on and test. Yet they're not because you've left flipping one end of line in the cupboard that's hanging out. And that's one that needs to be second fixed as well. Like this, You've just got to keep an eye on everything you're doing. So I like to maybe shove the phone away, get a task done. And if I have a little break or a sandwich in the van or a cup of tea, that's when I can phone everyone back. And this goes back to being organised. Organised with your finances, organised with your workload of what you're doing in the day. Like, especially this time of year, wholesalers give away diaries. They give away hats and scarves as well, to be honest, which I've recently found out. But... Yeah, get yourself a diary. Write everything down. If it's out of your head, then you don't got to think about it. You can think about other things, what you're doing. You're concentrating the task in hand. So get yourself a diary. Write it all in there. I used to try and keep things neat and tidy, like this section, this section. Scrap that. You throw it away. I've got diaries from like two years ago that are just tried to be neat or something like that. There's no point. Just scribble all over that diary, and then at the end of the day, you can be organised, and then maybe organise your week for the next week. Or even if you've got it on your Google Drive in your calendar, write notes down as long as you write it down so there's something you can reference to later on it's not got to be in your head you ain't going to forget it because you must have been in that position as well whether you're top of the ladder or something and you're balancing with your drill the raw plug and the screws in your mouth and your phone goes and you think eh, I'm going to answer it you answer the call and they're flipping jabbering away you're hanging off the top of a ladder one thing it's bleeding dangerous you might as well get that light fixed up or whatever you're doing and even let them, let them leave a voicemail. Because some of the time, it's something stupid. Like, I don't know, I plugged my tumble dryer in and the fuse is tripped. And by the time you ring them back, they've probably reset it and said, oh yeah, it's a faulty tumble dryer. They've figured it out themselves. Like, as long as it's tripping and there's no fire, that's the main thing. It's doing its job. And that's what you want to hear. A lot of people say, oh, this tripped, this tripped. I'd rather that fuse trip if there's a fault than it to catch fire to say, yeah, your house is burnt down. You ain't going to be able to ring me then, are you? So if a fuse tripped, it's doing it for a reason. Like a lot of people phone you up and they say, oh, yes, the fuse is tripped. It's always your fault. You did the socket 10 years ago. It's your fault. You did that job. But I've been around before. I said, who put that picture up? Oh, my ne- my nephew, well, not nephew, my grandson will ever come around to put a picture up. So I just bailed it out straight away. That freaking screw was live after I turned it on. Yes, he's flipping done that, and he? He's gone through the cable. Always think, you've got to explain to people sometimes, if there's a switch or a socket, the zones, where you're going, always assume there's cables going in that direction. And not everyone knows this, not everyone cares. If they want a picture in a certain place and that's the centre, that's where, where they're going to put it. 
but as long as you can explain that it's not my wiring, sweetheart. It's uh, basically someone has knocked through a cable, and the thing is as well, they won't get a shock. With RCDCs day in domestic premises, they're not going to know. It's just going to go off. They're going to go home, then find out it's gone off when they got home because their nan's going to ring them up. You don't know it's gone off. It don't go over pop anymore. It don't go over bang. You don't get a big black mark on the bleeding wall. It just goes off and you don't know. And the thing is, everything you find hard at the beginning of when you're self-employed or starting your own business, like the quotes, the invoices, and all the paperwork, it does get easier. If you think of it as an analysis of like when you first started to ride a bike, it was difficult to get your balance, to get going, and you had stabilizers to help you maybe and stuff. But... It's easier now. You can jump on a bike and ride it easily or maybe wiring a light sort of thing. That's a bit, bit more better analysis for electricians, I suppose, eh? Like if you're wiring a light, you used to think, right, I've got to get it right, the live, the neutral, the earth and the switch wire. Yet now you do it second nature, two-way switching, second nature sort of thing. It's just, you can do anything now. It just takes time. The more you do it, the better you get. And what I've done, I started creating spreadsheets to make my life a little bit easier, to fill them out on auto. So I'll leave a link to them spreadsheets in the show notes below, and you can check them out to see if they can help you out too. And another thing that I sort of created myself, I sort of, I get email, email nails, I call them. Just email nails, I send out a bit like a newsletter to keep the customers, to make the customers know that I'm still alive and I'm still working, especially this time of year. The amount of people everyone's jumping in their loft and pulling all their bleeding Christmas lights out and it's daisy chained with extension leads and they're wondering why it's getting hot. Oh, look, the snow's not um, not even settling on the roof. Yeah, probably because that cabling's red hot. It might get a little bit warm, be fine, but it shouldn't really be red hot. That's silly because you plugged it in, plugged it in, extension lead, extension lead, and if it causes a fire. So if you send a little email your customers explaining the dangers of maybe Christmas lights because we all know that a bone dry Christmas tree goes up beautifully a bit like it's covered in petrol so just a little bit of an explanation it will show that you care as well to your customer they'll think oh that's a nice little email but it'll also keep them at the front of your mind so this is what I do basically every year the same bleeding newsletter to be honest because electrical fires start exactly the same every year but I think being self-employed, it does, it does give you that time freedom. You can do what you want a little bit more. Sometimes it works out a lot good, like really good when you think, right, I've got this job here. I'm going to earn 10 grand out of it this week. And you think it might be a one-off. So you think, right, yeah, I'll just get it done and do my best. But hang about, they've told their mate and he wants the same doing down the road. So you earn another 10 grand that week as well. And it's sort of, it can escalate quite easy. But being self-employed as well, you don't get this little sheet to say, right, you've got to have three weeks holiday a year. So remember to have a bleeding holiday. I tell you, sometimes you just get carried away with work and you've got so much work to do, you don't think to plan. You think, I'll have a bit of time off. You've got to treat yourself every now and again to keep yourself sane. Yeah, of course, definitely. If you've got plenty of good jobs coming in that need to be done sort of one after another, then ride that wave, earn plenty of money, put it away. Don't go and spend this straight away, obviously, but make a plan to spend it because it'll be exciting. But everyone, everyone needs a holiday every now and again. And it's also the potential that you can open up to you when you're self-employed and being your own boss, which would have been the opportunities for your boss when you were self-employed, when you were employed, sorry. So... It's the things that can come along that can, hey, this could be a bit of a perk and it can lead into a lot more things and you can earn a lot more money. 
But for everybody out there that's been maybe self-employed and didn't really have much of a success and found it a bit of a struggle, that's fine. It's not a bad thing being employed. Not everybody wants to be employed. Uh, be self-employed, sorry. Not everybody works at it that way. It's just not the right time for everybody. Everybody, every electrician I know always thinks, you know, I'm going to go self-employed, I'm going to be my own boss, I'm going to do my own thing. But it is a little bit scary. But it's the excitement part of it that I think that gees you up to go on and do bigger and better things. I don't know any electrician that maybe works for a company sort of thing that doesn't think, ah, should I, should I go on my own? Uh, yeah, I might do, but not today. Like, but what, what, what day should I do? When should I do it? I'll tell you now, do it today. Make a plan. Go self-employed. You can always sub back, subcontract back to your boss if you were valued that much. So give it a go. So until next time, I'll see you again. 